0: The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Intelligent. Conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K.
1: I'm so ready. Justin Hart in for Andrea this week, Monday through Friday. I'm so glad to be with you, and I'm glad to welcome our next guest. You can hear him right here on KCPQ, 2 p.m. every day. His show is Word on Wealth. He is also the founder of GQ Law, Gary Quackenbush. Gary, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on today, Justin. I appreciate it. How's Gar- it
1: going? Oh, it's going great. I'm getting my sea legs here, and I'm so glad to uh, make you a regular part of my night here. So tell us, uh, what are you working on of late? What's at the top of your brain? And what do you have for our audience today?
2: <clears throat> well, Andrea usually has me share with the audience some of the stupid laws that come into play, because she thinks it's pretty funny. Um, so I thought, I'd uh, just, just kind of as our our starting joke, I would share a couple of things about that. And then I have some really serious topics to kind of go over really quickly. Right, that's kind of shooting fish
1: have, in a barrel, but go ahead. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there's yeah, there's plenty know, of them. Plenty of so, them. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's crazy. So the thing um, that that I found that was really funny is you, there's these laws that you think, well, why is that on the books? Is that really a problem? And the one that, I, that cracked me up was, um, Like in Fresno, now not necessarily in other towns, in Fresno, it's illegal to get drunk on a playground. So I think that's good because usually on a playground, everybody's under 21. So I think it's good that Fresno is keeping our little kids from getting drunk on the uh, tilt the world. <laughs> <whatever>.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. You know, they, oh, yeah. they, they padlocked my daughter's swing set and playground for, for a year and a half. I, I, I'm not sure that's because they thought she was going to get drunk. I think it was something else in the news, if I remember. But keep going. This is great stuff.
2: Absolutely. Well, then the other one was this is to help us all so that we can maintain our our um, weight and mental health, I guess. And that is in Massachusetts. If you're at a funeral like a wake, the after funeral party, you're not it's illegal to eat more than three sandwiches.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How how do they enforce that? You know, do they do a little uh, jump scare out of the coffin to take the sandwiches away if you're eating too much?
2: I think that's what it is. They they probably have some requirement that if you get your, you have to have, probably have to have a permit to reserve a building for a wake. And so then that also requires that there's surveillance equipment installed and then it could count. Sandwiches. I don't know.
1: Sounds perfectly so reasonable. Done. Yes. Very sane.
2: Yeah. and I'm, I'm sure. It's, yeah. It's probably some really cool law that only costs about, you know, $500,000 to put into the books. <laughs> and you know, so there you go. There you go. Some really good stuff. Oh my gosh. Anyway. So on a, um, what what I do every day is I, I I kind of have this thing where I wish I could just get on my show and just say, here are the four people I talked to today and here's the story because every day there's something different. Um, but I end up coming up with themes and the other day I was actually um, down at uh, probate court. We're in this court, you know, this battle over, you know, whether the trustee did a good job or whether he stole money or didn't steal money, whether it was properly handled, properly accounted for, and it's a very common battle. Um, And I was talking to the the opposing attorney and I said, you know, it's interesting how every single one of these cases I get where the trustee has, you know, the, the uh, allegation is that he, he or she has mishandled money that he or she distributed money in the wrong place that he or she spent money uh, improperly or gave money to the wrong person or whatever. Every one of these makes me realize that nobody, Nobody knows how to be a successor trustee, mm. and so as parents, you know we name our kids and say, "Oh, yeah, my oldest kid can do it or my most responsible kid or whatever, and we name them as trustees, and then we just expect that everybody knows how to be a successor trustee, but nobody does and so then there's all these court battles over somebody's messing with somebody's money and all that and and I, I've always just had this this thing with me like I really want to be able to educate people and say, "You guys." Here's how to be a trustee. Here's what you need to do. You have to account for every dollar, every penny. You know, you can't just go, oh, whatever. It's a thousand bucks here, a thousand bucks there. Eventually, they add up to real money. And so kind of my thing is like, that's why I'm, you know, I, I'm on with Andrea K periodically. That's why I'm on my show daily. It's like, I'm trying to tell people, don't step into this and do it the wrong way. Your parents have asked you to do it. You're not going to refuse. You, everybody always tries to do it. You're going to have people watching, and you need to do it right. So it's like I'm always saying, not to be self-serving, but get help. Get a professional that knows how to be a successor trustee, and they will coach you through. You don't have to pay for it. It's paid for out of the trust money, and it's not your trust money, but you can go ahead and pay professionals. Well, we're going uh, into
1: this. Sorry, go ahead, Gary.
2: No, go ahead.
1: No, I was saying we're going into this phase now where we're going to see the largest transfer of wealth and probably the history of world from a generational perspective and, and that's why it's so important to see these things handled in the right way I know my my grandma who was of the the greatest generation my parents are boomers but my grandma just passed away in January 96 years old and my my grandfather passed away 10 years previously uh, but she has a hundred. Uh, grandkids, great-grandkids and beyond up in El Dorado uh, County. And and so they were able to take those things off of her plate. Everyone came in and got their favorite painting, got their favorite jewelry, no problem. I mean, how do people handle the most difficult thing, which is sort of getting rid of mom's place? Uh,
2: Most people, well, the, the people that come to me have not been able to handle it very well. That's probably why they're hiring me. But for the most part, the ones that handle it are the ones that I think are the ones that take time, and they take it very seriously. So, like, you would have, you know, trying to divide up grandma's stuff, you would talk, be really, you know, chatty with people ahead of time and say, this is how we're going to do it, here's the rules of the game. You know, grandma specifically said that everybody gets to take one item, and then you have to be really kind of tough about it, like, let's police this, let's figure out a way to do it. I think for the most part, I have seen... Nothing but disasters when that happens because people go in and they start going, wait a minute, grandma said I could have that and this. And then there's two things And well, nobody's going to want this. I'm going to take that, too. And I've just found the personal property, the little stuff, the trinkets, the photo albums, those cause family divides more than a $500,000 distribution. Crazy.
1: (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine. So, So we're talking about the boomers. They're going to be retiring en masse here. They're also going to be retiring in what, by all accounts, is going to be a very, very rocky economic moment for us here. What are things that people can do to sort of batten down the hatches in this crazy moment where they may lose a massive portion of the wealth they have saved or invested because of the current conditions while they retire or pass on from this world?
2: I think what people need to do is they need to do a better job Planning and stop focusing on is my investment, you know, I'm making money, am I losing money, you know, what's that? I think they need to do a better job focusing on there's going to be a wealth transfer from me to my children. You know, there's a 70% chance that I will become incapacitated and I need to have arrangements made so that when Gary loses his mind and can't manage his money that he does have that somebody else is in charge and it's somebody that I want to be in charge, not some default, Mm. not through some legal process. But I think people need to be better about being really intentional and realizing, dude, 100% of us are going to die and 70% of us are going to become incapacitated. I'm not going to bet against the incapacity. There's a 70% chance that before I die, I'm going to lose the ability to manage my money and somebody's going to either take it or manage it for me. So I've got that set up. So in my living trust, if I do become incapacitated, my wife is in charge of everything. If she's dead or incapacitated, then I have my successor trustee, who I very much trust, to take over for me. And I've got you know, my accounts are lined up. They're in my living trust. I've got everything set up because I'm trying to be really intentional in recognizing that 100% chance of death, 70% chance of incapacity. But a lot of people just kind of like go, nah, I'll do that later. I'm fine. <laughs> You know, but Kevin, I, or Justin, I, I I just people all the time are coming into me and saying, Whoa, we had no idea he was gonna die And I go, Actually you knew he was gonna die, you just didn't know when. You had no idea that you were out guessing, you were out guessed by reality.
1: Right, you know. right. And then you look at California, where they've basically set up these minutiae of traps so that if you don't have things together, they're going to take their pound of flesh. They're going to take their 15 pounds of flesh from you and your family when you move on. Isn't that right?
2: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes a long time. I was talking to a woman today. I said, Yeah, you know, you need to go through the probate process. It's probably going to be about a year and a half to two years. And I thought she was going to fall over. I said, yeah, that's fast, fast. I said, yeah, you're not gonna touch anything for another year and a half because it's going through probate. She goes, that's unbelievable. So I went through the process and I went, it's probably closer to two years. That's how long this is going to be tied up.
1: Oh man, that's got to be so frustrating for these families that you know kind of have these expectations. Uh, obviously, no one wants to think in terms of wow. When mom passes on, that's so difficult. When dad passes on, this is going to be really terrible. But also, um, you know, they've got a lot of will saved up, and that might come to me. Uh, that's that should not be people's expectations. It's probably the wrong way to think in general, but definitely that's not necessarily how it works, right?
2: The thing is, it is people's expectation. Children expect that when they, their parents die, they get money and they know when their parents are getting older and they kind of are like, you know, I mean, this isn't to be gross, you know, to be like crap, but they're kind of going, well, interesting because dad's getting up there and he's got a lot of money. If I can hang in there for a couple more years, everything's going to be okay. You know, and then as it gets really bad. I mean, admittedly, people are thinking, well, you know, dad's not going to be around a whole lot longer. And I know he's in- passing his investments on to me. I think I can hang in there that long. And I know that seems irresponsible, but it's just reality. And then dad passes away and it goes through probate and the attorney's going, well, oh, by the way, you won't see this money for at least two years. <laughs> you know, people just like go, well, wait, wait, if my dad died. I have my money. I can make it. I can pay off my credit cards and I can move forward. No, two more years, buddy.
1: So there's no yes, way I wow. can there's, there's no way I can get you know the, the the folks on a plane send them to to Vegas get them up maybe to Truckee or on the other side uh, over by uh, uh, on the Nevada side of the lake that's that's not going to do it is it, it it's it's got to be all in writing. everything's got to be buttoned up beforehand right
2: got to be buttoned up especially in California California does a bad job with people's property after they die
1: what a crazy yeah. scene well well what. What can people do to sort of hedge against uh, the coming deluge of uh, yield curve inversions and China not bailing us out and uh, your money basically being worth about 30% less than what you think? What what can people do to sort of ward against the, the coming tide wave that I think is coming?
2: I think people need to stop playing roulette on their own, and they need to hire – You know, get a professional—you know—a fiduciary financial advisor that knows what they're doing, that can look into that stuff and say, "Hey, this is where we got to be. We got to be careful." I just think some people are just playing—you know—kind of roulette with their money, thinking that things are all—you know—they've got it in the right place. But people need to hire good professionals. They need to shop for and hire a good professional that's going to help them manage their money. That's the only way to get better.
1: All right. Well that's fantastic Gary uh, any any other sort of big words of wisdom you want to pass to our crew here what do you uh, what are you seeing out there that's maybe an opportunity for people here in the San Diego area rather than sort of the flip side of uh, yeah this is going to pot are there opportunities that you see that locally we could take advantage of here
2: Well you know the my expertise is result, is, is basically distributing people's money after they die I actually have a real estate professional with me on my show on Wednesdays and he, his name is Ken Pekas, and he, he really gets into that stuff. Like what are the opportunities And I'm always surprised when I say, Ken, here's a scenario. Uh, somebody inherits hundred thousand dollars. What's the best thing to do with it? What kind of real estate can they afford? And I'm really surprised at what deals he talks about. I mean, real estate has always been good in California. It's been good my whole life. You know, I've seen for 60 plus years that real estate over time goes up. The, you know, the market goes all over the place but real estate goes up. So I think a lot of times you look and see maybe that's the way to go. And maybe, you know, maybe you can kind of, um, ride the wave if, if real estate goes up and down. So, but you know, that's, that's probably not my area of expertise. Mine is be prepared. It's going to happen. You're going to be, you're going to pass away. You need to get your stuff in order. Don't make it worse for your kids or your heirs or for you during incapacity, get your stuff in order.
1: Oh, fantastic! Well, Gary, thanks for uh, joining with us. Any parting words of thoughts? Where can people find you? What can they uh, do to get in contact with you for this crazy moment? And uh, as we see this wave of boomers setting for retirement and the great beyond to a greater life, we hope. What? Where can people find you in, uh, online here or otherwise? So, what are the phone numbers?
2: 500 trust. 855 500 trust. And then my website is gqlaw.com.
1: Fantastic. Gary, thanks for joining Thank us. You. Great to meet you. I hope to catch you online. i meet you too. Okay, terrific. Absolutely. Gary Quackbuster. Hey, okay, take care. Thank you. Have a
2: good.
1: This is Justin and for Andrea. See you on the other side of the break.
0: of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program the station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program ak dynamite and address or just andrea K. whatever you call her don't call her fake news it's the andrea K. show on the answer san diego
1: well it's it's not fake at all the very possibility that the U.S. government might default on its massive debt is very real, perhaps? I don't know. We'll, we'll see as the, uh, the week progresses. They have, I understand it, until June 1st to make this appropriated here. That is, we've reached the limit, right? The U.S. government, by budget, is allowed to uh, spend X amount over the amount that it takes in. And wouldn't you know it? We're spending more than we take in, even though what we're taking in is the largest amount we've ever seen. So it's it's not an intake issue. It is strictly a spending issue. And so right now, Kevin McCarthy, who is the leader of the House, the Speaker of the House, and and President Biden, and I think Chuck Schumer, who is head of the Senate, they are all pow-wowing around around, around. what they're going to do with this debt limit, if they're going to extend it, if they're going to um, boost it up, we don't know. Uh, we had thought yesterday, going into the program, that they had this handled. It was handled, no problem. They're coming to an agreement. They're just you know, kind of inches away, and now they're nowhere close to an agreement. Yeah, that didn't bode well for the markets today, and it's probably not going to bode well for the markets the rest of the week if they can't get this settled. It's a nightmare anyway you 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 choose to 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 cut it because you know if if you put up a fuss on either side of the aisle, you could easily catch the blame for what could be an absolute disaster now the press is is playing this up we've been at this this game of Russian roulette this game of chicken more appropriately for many many times, so I think they'll pull down the end, but I don't know we also know former speaker Gingrich. Uh, had this to say clip two
3: well you know in my new book march to the majority i outline how we did it and kevin is basically following the same game plan pass a bill stand firm be reasonable but don't back up and i think if you look at today's meeting you look at what's been happening inch by inch gradually The Biden team has come to recognize if there's a default, it's going to go down in history as the Biden default. It's going to end his presidential campaign for 2024, uh, and it's unacceptable. So he's going to have to get somewhere. Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, has done a great job so far of setting a series of goals that the conservatives uh, really want and refusing to back off of the core of those goals. Is it going to be 100 percent of what they passed out of the House? No, it never was for us either. But is it going to be 80 percent? Probably. And I believe, first of all, that the June 1 deadline is not anything like a crisis. I've watched Treasury for over 30 years. They can find a way to keep things going for a while. Second, I think that it's very, very important that Senator, that Speaker McCarthy, is such a dramatic contrast with Speaker Pelosi. Remember, she once said, you have to vote for it to find out what's in it. He's saying, no matter what the pressures are, the House is going to have 72 hours. We're going to have an argument. It's going to work out. And I think that's a huge step in the right direction. I feel reasonably good after today's meeting that they are moving in the right direction, that Speaker McCarthy holding his ground, being reasonable, being pleasant, but being firm is the right direction.
1: I think he's probably right. But if I had to gauge because we're getting into a heated political cycle, I think the Democrats might inch it past June 1st just a little bit, just to get the pain in there and see if they can get away with it. Because they have before. I remember the great Rush Limbaugh. Uh, this was a decade, maybe a decade and a half ago or more where he was talking about the greatest lie in history. He went off on this for weeks. And it was this. When the budget came, and this was, uh, I think, under President Clinton, and the the Republicans drew up the budget, it was still more than the various executive branches and the the various groups that got money in the government. It was more than they got the year before, but it was less than they had projected. And the press went ballistic. They're making cuts. They're making cuts. I mean, if I give you $10 million this year, and next year I say, you know what? I'm going to give you $11 million, And you go, but I was counting on $11,100,000. You're cutting my budget, right? That's how they act. And the press will dutifully carry that water. But... As we saw with some of the altercations um, in the press room with uh, the the current press secretary, some of the media weren't taking it lightly. They were actually pushing back on her. So I'm I'm interested to see where this will will all pan out because it's it's not a it's not an easy venture. And as I said before, holy cow, thirty two trillion dollars in debt, thirty two trillion dollars. That's two hundred fifty thousand dollars for each of you listening. And by the way, if you are listening, we're going to go to break here in a minute, but I'd love to hear from you. You can call in. Our number is 888-344-1170. 888-344-1170. We're going to talk about a couple other issues on the other side of the break. But phone in. I'd love to hear from you. Justin Hart, in for Andrea K.
0: Andrea K telling you like it is all while eating a donut. The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego.
1: Ugh. A donut sounds really good right about now. Noah, I, I haven't really gotten into the rhythm of the eating habits necessary for a show from six to eight. But you have this down to a science. What, what's, the, what's the rigor I need to take to the show for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? Because I'm feeling a bit peckish, as they say across the way.
4: Andrea normally actually gets hungry right about now. So mm. she realizes that she's uh, done too much prep for the show, hasn't eaten, and then uh, after the show just drives, to, drives through some place that's got some really yummy food.
1: Right now, now some of the places across the way at UTC are open, but then you got to park in there and go get it. Now, uh, I, and the drive-through, it's far and few between here. But I, yeah, I guess I got to think about you know my routine now because I'm going on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and so uh, I, as I'm
4: as I'm getting to the end of the program, I notice I would eat about five myself. Yeah, that, that's what I tend to do because otherwise, if I don't, I end up like Andrea mid-show, and I'm like, gosh, I'm
0: famished.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's good advice. Now, now, other good advice here is to have a lot of kids. I really well, you've done that. Oh, yeah, I have. I have. I've got. I've got eight kids to my name. And uh, yeah, that that's something. It's it's kind of exciting. I, I, I like I like a lot of kids. Uh, and, and you know, the thing is, we're running out of elephants. We're running out of polar bears. You hear about all the endangered animals, but the one thing we really are endangered about. And I'll tell you right now, it is people. Now, when I had my 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 latest swath of kids, I, they come in waves. I've got I've got kids that are twenty seven, twenty five, and twenty. Then I have two step kids who are uh, twenty and and fourteen, and then I've got kids who are five and four. No, six and four and. And two, or six and four and one. I, you know, I can't keep it straight. But when I had my youngest, uh, of uh, six years ago, okay, at that time, the youngest, <laughs> all right, or over in Hawaii. And we take, I, I love to take her on the morning walks. And so I would take her down to downtown Honolulu in her little stroller there. And that was just fantastic. It was really cool. Except I got stopped every 10 feet by Japanese tourists. Because they wanted to fawn over, they wanted to touch, they wanted to pick up the baby. They just, they were amazed. And I I had to ask a friend, I said, What is going on here? He says, You have to understand, a lot of people go weeks or months without seeing a child or a baby, especially in Japan because they're in a perfect death spiral somewhere along the way they decided to start a demographic winter as it's known that is to say that uh, this is what demographers say they call it the lowest low that is to say if a society has 1.3 children on average uh, that's the fertility rate per you know female that's in the range that can have babies 1.3 children per female then that's the point of no return. What you want is you want two point one because you're obviously replacing the female and you replace the male. Don't get into that. We're not going to that subject right now. It's true. You need two point one. You need to replace the female and replace the male that you know gave makes the sense. sperm for yep. that. Yes, exactly. That makes sense, right? And, and and the idea is, you know, if if you're in a healthy society, you're way above that. Now you you, you often think, why does the world speak? the language of a small set of islands off the northeast coast of of Europe, right? Or northwest coast, right? And it's because England was the first to conquer infant mortality. All of a sudden in the 1850s the doctors got the idea like hey um I got all this goo on my hands after working on this cadaver, maybe I should wash those off before I go to the next uh, to the nursery and and give birth to the child there, right? And, and so all of a sudden you know, because up to that point and this is something that Mark Stein brings out in his book America alone, is that you had a lot of kids and a lot of them basically died before they were any use to you or society because you know a lot of kids died but then by the 80 by 1850, 1860, the median age, the middle age, the average age if you will, of a person in London was 15 years old. Wow. And that's why the sun never set on the Queen's kingdom. She had all of this extra manpower to send across the world India, Australia, you name it, the islands, right? And as it says, you know, the, the, the sun never set on the Queen's kingdom because she was everywhere. And then all of a sudden, we decided after the baby boom. Because the average age of someone, for example, in Germany at the time of World War II was 22. The average age of someone in the United States at that point was about 23. The average age of someone in mid-century, 20th century, 1940, 1950, in Russia was 23 years old. Now what is it? Double it. In Russia, it's like 44 years old. Here in the United States, we're creeping up on 40. Uh, A lot of countries are not... Carrying their weight. And why does that matter? Well, if if you're a liberal and you love these programs, you love all the goodies that the government gives you, you better hope that people have kids because there's no one to stick the bill with. That's what happened in Greece. If you remember all the chaos they're still going through, it, it was like, you remember that that old movie, uh, uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Uh, it's a great movie, actually. it's a great movie, right? But it, it it's a, fixes everything. It does, fixes everything, but it's also a fiction. It's a fiction because it's it's it, it supposed that there was this you know waspish single child only American family that was marrying into this big uh, multi-child uh, you know monstrosity of a family out of Greece. but that wasn't the case. It's exactly reversed. Greece is absolutely in freefall. Their fertility rate is like one.3 1.2. They have no kids to stick the bill with. in Italy. By mid-century, maybe just after that, 75% of Italians will have no aunts, uncles, brothers or sisters because they chose not to have kids. And that has an impact, right? Now, so who is having kids? Well, everyone in the Middle East is having kids. Tiny little Yemen, the size, the country size of like Georgia, uh, will have basically a population greater than Russia. Russia. And the, the problem that Mark Stein points out and others point out is when the largest growing population in the world has a somewhat, quote, fractious relationship with the tenets of Western society, right, you might have problems. Now, that that's something just to be on the lookout for because there's one place on Earth, which is just like London in 1850, where the median age is 15 years old. Where do you think that is, Noah?
4: Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip. Yep, you stress. know what makes sense to me. I was I was gonna I I was actually gonna put that in my top three guesses.
1: Yeah, and then uh, obviously Africa has uh, I think a fertility rate of like four to six, but those rates also in those are are dropping as well. So uh, I, I don't know exactly how to convince people because kids here are not getting married or they're getting married very late and they're having kids very late. No, no, no. I'm I'm fifty one years old and I've I've got young kids and and so I but I've also got older kids too. So I've got the whole range maybe you know I'm thinking I'm thinking no, I've got it, I've got it. I've solved all my financial problems. Oh, and, please do share. Oh, and all of anyone else's who's really feeling guilty about not having kids. How about you know how they have carbon credits? Yep. Right? Like if you fly a, a a private jet, you can buy some trees to offset the cost of flying your private jet. If you don't have kids, right? Maybe you can do carbon credits with me for one of mine. I'll I'll still raise them. They'll be my kids, okay? But you'll pay me and then they'll Ooh. they'll count as your kids. They're your replacements. You don't have to worry about a thing. Just Pay me for one of the kids, and you can check off the list that you know you're going to be replaced before the world ever ends on you.
4: You know, especially when you're, you know, you have a large family. I have a large family. I've talked about it here on the air. It's not cheap, so this idea has serious merit. Yeah, I'm thinking of that. Right, and maybe
1: we can solve some problems there. Over in Hungary, they're giving out like eleven thousand dollars for every kid, and if you have like three or four kids over in Hungary, you never have to pay taxes again. That's incentive yeah in Russia the average age now over there the, you know these these soldiers are not the the 20 year olds that were taking on the Nazis uh these are these are old people and Ukraine is even older it's just you know I, I can understand in a war-torn era after a post-communist incredible several decades of craziness it can be kind of rough to think I want to bring a child into that but uh, I hope people do because uh in the end if you're especially if you're a liberal you got to do that, right? You got to do that. somebody has got to pay your bills. That's right. You got to stick the bill to someone, right? So I, I don't know. Well, I'm I'm still gauging all these things together, but I, I feel pretty confident that I can make this work on that uh, that carbon credits. Hey,
4: you figure that out. Let me know.
1: Okay, I will. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about uh, a couple other things to close out the hour. Then tomorrow, I've got Representative Biggs, I've got other guests. I'm so glad to be with you today. You can call us to 888-344-1170, 888-344-1170. Justin, in for Andrea.
0: Andrea Kay, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. A reality check
1: is always good. Noah, you know how many things are racist these days? You, you, you can step I mean, just on, about
4: everything is
1: yeah right I mean you 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 turn the corner and uh, if you look sideways the wrong way, you could be racist or something right I mean there's there's so many examples out there. Uh, recently, the most recent one I had was uh, back in October, the uh, Biden administration talked about mandating uh, different legroom stats for airplanes because they said um, if you don't. That's racist right so so uh, legroom less legroom is racist on planes I'm, I'm not sure how they translate that or but basically they they said that uh, these were unfair especially to minorities so so legroom is is racist is that's
4: a new one I hadn't not heard that one before Oh, that one's good you know here's another one so
1: uh, there was for example the the issue during covid where people were like look I gotta make a living. The government isn't throwing me free money anymore. Yeah, I might be sick, but I got to get to work. And, uh, you know, we, well, a lot of us are pushing to say, hey, can we get back to some, some semblance of normality on this thing? And, of course, they would say two things. One, wanting to put kids back in school is white supremacy and it's racist. That was the tweet out from a teacher's union in Chicago. They, they said it was bigoted and racist they also said they also said that um having people work while sick is racist or something but you remember that that game i remember because uh uh it was the utah jazz and i was rooting for the jazz and their second chance to try to win the the nba finals against michael jordan 1997 and uh this was a, a critical game and jordan had the flu. I mean, you saw, if, if you saw the pictures, I you saw, remember that remember he, he was super sick, super sick. And yet he played through it. And you remember every one of the world was like, that was the most amazing moment. I mean, you think he had like buzzer beaters. And then every time he dropped something, he'd go and collapse on the bench because he was so yeah, sick. I'm
4: an LA sports team kind of a guy. But when Jordan was on the scene, not going to lie, until he retired, I was a Bulls fan.
1: Yeah. And so apparently, you know, that's okay, but wanting kids to go back to school was racist, right? And, and you know, we saw the hypocrisy again. You know what else was racist? I learned this this, this last year, too. Uh, working out. Working out is is racist. Uh, there was an article in MSNBC that uh, it's really a, a far-right obsession with fitness and that it's taking over the world, and that's, that's racist. And, of course, they... They tied that back to the Nazis who liked to work out and were physically fit, right? So that's that's racist. You, you can't do that. Uh, all sorts of things. Um, uh, they also said vaccine hesitancy. If you're hesitant about the vaccine, that's racist. You, you can't do that because some reasons, right? That was back in 2021. And so they they surmised, so the, the thinking went that uh, there were some times during the pandemic when people of color were far more impacted by COVID than people that weren't. And why was that? Because our hospitals were terrible at their service in many ways because we tied their hands and because they were strapped finance because we scared everyone to death. In fact, we had so many uh, this is a great Scrabble word. Everyone, write it down. So many nosocomial infections. Nosocomial is one of those great Scrabble words we've learned over the last three years because of COVID. It means infected at a health clinic, and so we had so many nosocomial infections that it's it's almost like if you went to the hospital, you were you were guaranteed to get COVID that way. All sorts of things uh President Biden, way back before he was president, was in the Senate, and he was talking about how the filibuster itself is is racist, that it eviscerates minority rights. This was back in two thousand and five and of course you know he was then rooting on the, <laughs> the 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 uh the filibusters that he saw under his administration, but everything else everything else was was racist. Uh, your bedroom,
4: Noah. Your bedroom is racist. How's your bedroom? Uh, so it was classical music and taking tests. Wait, how's how's classical music racist? It was written by white supremacists. Oh, right, right. And
1: taking tests. Yep. Because it just it, because it's a it's a
4: it, well a it, lot of the schools are lowering the standard now. You don't it. even need to have any type of admissions test to get in. They want everybody at the same playing field.
1: Yeah, you get it. So this was this was uh this one is 3 years ago. Remember why your why your bedroom was racist? No, I don't. Because it's called the master bedroom. No, it's true they 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 in realtors homes now. You know when you go through what's the the system that all the realtors use, the GLS or whatever it's called, I can't remember the Whatever whatever the master system that all these secret society of realtors with their pretty photos on their business cards, all that secret coding you have to get in there. And they, all, they can get into your house, right? Because they got all the lock numbers. Anyways, don't get me into realtors. I think it's a, a secret cabal. But, but if you go in there now, they don't, they don't talk about the master bedroom anymore, at least not in a lot of states because it's
4: like verboten to do the that. The big bedroom? What do they call it? I, I don't know what they call it now. They call it the Big Bedroom. (laughs) Sounds like from a child's TV show.
1: That's right. No, I I don't know what they are. And speaking of child's TV show, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh,
4: you hit a nerve for me. I love that show.
1: I know, but he's racist. You're kidding me. No, no, he's racist because the setting is in the fictional Bikini Bottom. Okay. And this is a reference to the Bikini Atoll, which was depopulated when it was taken over by the U.S. military for nuclear nuclear testing. So that's, that's racist. Uh, oh, cold weather.
4: Cold weather is racist. I guess San Diego has been racist for the last few months.
1: It has been terribly racist. <laughs> can, I, can I get we a... you can't re- get a
4: string of two consecutive warm days.
1: It's so tough.
4: I mean, they, I know we're, you know,
1: first world problems in San Diego, but we have that, right? So that's racist. The Winter Olympics is racist. Solar eclipses are racist because you can only see those in... Apparently, white places. I'm not sure. Dogs are racist. Babies are racist. Farmers' markets definitely racist. Anyways, if you go talk to any of your friends of color, they think this is nonsense too. Oh,
4: oh, oh that, that that's hands down. Every time Andrea and I gather one of these racist stories, I always you know bounce it off my my friends, and they're 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 the first to tell you this stuff is nonsense. Right. Anyways, I'm I'm hoping at some point. There's just a trigger
1: where someone just stands up and says, Shut up. This really this really is not a thing, right? Just like if you talk to any, any anyone south of the border or anyone you know who's Latino and you start putting an X at the end of their definition, they'll like, go stop. You'll go stop. That's not a thing. Because if you happen to speak Spanish, you know the X is silent. <laughs> How do you say Latini? Latina, they don't know, and they—they're befuddled. We're all befuddled, but we're going to make sense of the world. Thanks for joining us today. I'll be here tomorrow, six p.m. This is Justin Hart in for Andrea K.